Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 33 to 34 and in the previous episode we read chapters 30 to 32. Now in the previous episode we ended off with essentially we were kind of it was a kind of scary situation because Bob had felt betrayed by the fact that it was Percy who was the one who had affected his memories and had made him lose his memories in the first place. But soon after, with his fight, with their fight with Kelly and them also losing hope on that, Bob came to the rescue and had felt the need that they, he needed to help them out because of his debt and gratitude towards Nico. So now we're going to see how the group is doing. Uh, and by the group, I mean Jason, Piper, Hazel, Leo, Frank, how all of them are holding up um, as they try and travel to Epirus, which is the mortal side of the Doors of Death. So now we're going to read chapter 33, Jason. Jason fell asleep on the job, which was bad, since he was a thousand feet in the air. He should have known better. It was the morning after their encounter with Skyrim, the bandit, and Jason was on duty, fighting some wild venti who were threatening the ship. When he slashed through the last one, he forgot to hold his breath. A stupid mistake. When a wind spirit disintegrates, it creates a vacuum. Unless you're holding your breath, the air gets sucked right out of your lungs. The pressure in your inner ear drops so fast, you black out. That's what happened to Jason. Even worse, he instantly plunged into a dream. In the back of his subconscious, he thought, Really? Now? He needed to wake up or he would die. But he wasn't able to hold on to that thought. In the dream, he found himself on the roof of a tall building. The nighttime skyline of Manhattan spread around him. A cold wind whipped through his clothes. A few blocks away, clouds gathered above the Empire State Building, the entrance to Mount Olympus itself. Lightning flashed. The air was a metallic with the smell of oncoming rain. The top of the skyscraper was lit up as usual, but the lights seemed to be malfunctioning. They flickered from purple to orange as if the colors were fighting for dominance. On the roof of Jason's building stood his old comrades from Camp Jupiter. An array of demigods in combat armor, their imperial gold weapons and shields glinting in the dark. He saw Dakota and Nathan, Lila and Marcus. Octavian stood to one side, thin and pale, his eyes red-rimmed from sleeplessness or anger. A string of sacrificial... Sacrifi- Sacrificial stuffed animals around around his uh, string around his waist. His auger's white robe was draped over a purple t-shirt and cargo pants. In the center of the line stood Reyna, her metal dogs Arum and Argentum at her side. Upon seeing her, Jason felt an incredible pang of guilt. He'd let her believe they had a future together. He had never been in love with her, and he hadn't let her on. Exactly. But he also had his shutter down. He disappeared, leaving her to run the camp on her own. That hadn't exactly been Jason's idea, but still. Then he had returned to Camp Jupiter with his new girlfriend, Piper, and a whole bunch of Greek friends in a warship. They'd fired on the forum and run away, leaving Reyna with a war on her hands. In his dream, she looked tired. Others might not notice, but he'd worked with her long enough to recognize the wariness in her eyes. The tightness in her shoulders under the straps of her armor. Her dark hair was wet, like she'd taken a hasty shower. The Romans stared at the roof access door as if they were waiting for someone. When the door opened, two people emerged. One was a fawn. No, Jason thought. A satyr. 
He learned the difference at Camp Half-Blood, and Coach Hedge was always correcting him if he made that mistake. Roman fonts tend to hang out and beg and eat. Satyrs were more helpful, more engaged with demigod affairs. Jason didn't think he'd seen this particular satyr before, but he was sure the guy was from the geek Greek side. No fawn would so look so purposeful walking up to an armed group of Romans in the middle of the night. He wore a green nature conservancy t-shirt with a pictures of endangered whales and tigers and stuff. <clears throat> Nothing covered his shaggy legs and hooves. He had a bushy goatee, curly brown hair tucked into a rasta style cap, and a set of reed pipes around his neck. His hands fidgeted with the hem of his shirt, but considering the way he studied the Romans, not noting their positions and their weapons, Jason figured this satyr had been combat before. At his sight inside was a red-headed girl Jason recognized from Camp Half-Blood, their oracle, Rachel Elizabeth Dare. She had a long, frizzy hair, a plain white blouse, and jeans covered with hand-drawn ink designs. She held a blue plastic hairbrush that she tapped nervously against her thigh like a good, tal- good luck talisman. Jason remembered her at the campfire, reciting lines of prophecy that sent Jason, Piper, and Leo on their first quest together. She was a regular mortal teenager, not a demigod, but for reasons Jason never understood, the spirit of Delphi had chosen her as its host. The real question, what was she doing with the Romans? She stepped forward, her eyes fixed on Reyna. You got my message. Octavian snorted. That's the only reason you made it this far, far alive, Gracchus. I hope you have come to dis- discuss surrender terms. Octavian, Reyna warned. At least search them. Octavian protested. No need, Reyna said, studying Rachel Dare. Do you bring weapons? Rachel shrugged. I hit Kronos in the eye with his hairbrush once. Otherwise, no. The Romans didn't seem to know what to make of that. The moral didn't sound like she was kidding. And your friend? Raina nodded to the satyr. I thought you were coming alone. This is Grover Underwood, Rachel said. He's a leader of the council. What council? Octavian demanded. Cloven elders, man! Grover's voice was high and reedy, as if he were terrified. But Jason suspected that the satyr had more steel than he let on. Seriously, don't you Romans have natures and trees and stuff? I've got some news you need to hear. Plus, I'm a card-carrying protector. I'm here to, you know, protect Rachel. Reyna looked like she was trying not to smile. No weapons, just the pipes. Grover's expression became wistful. Percy said, always said my cover of Born to be Wild should count as a dangerous weapon, but I don't think it's that bad. Octavian sneered. (laughs) Another friend of Percy Jackson, that's all I need to hear. Raina held up her hand for silence. Her gold and silver dogs sniffed the air, but they remained calm and attentive at her side. So far, our guests speak the truth, Raina said. Be warned, Rachel and Grover. If you start to lie, this conversation will not go well for you. Say what you came to say. From her jeans pocket, Rachel dug out a piece of paper like a napkin. A message from Annabeth. Jason wasn't sure he'd heard her right. Annabeth wasn't Tartarus. She couldn't send anyone a note on a napkin. Maybe I've hit the water and died, subconscious said. This is a real vision. This is some sort of after-death hallucination. But the dream seemed very real. He could feel the wind sweeping across the roof. He could smell the storm. Lightning flickered over the Empire State Building, making the Romans' armor flash. 
Raina took the note. As she read it, her eyebrows crept higher. Her mouth parted in shock. Finally, she looked at Rachel. Is this a joke? I wish, Rachel said. They're really in Tartarus. But how? I don't know how, Rachel said. The note appeared in the sacrificial sacrificial fire at our dining pavilion. That's Annabeth's handwriting. She asks you for you by name. Octavian stirred. Tartarus? What do you mean? Raina handed him the letter. Octavian muttered as he read, Rome? Arachne? Athena? Athena Parthenos? He looked around in outrage as if waiting for someone to contradict what he was reading. A Greek trick! Greeks are infamous for their tricks! Raina took back the note. Why ask this of me? Rachel smiled. Because Annabeth is wise. She believes you can do this, Reina Avila Ramirez, Ramirez Arellano. Jason felt like he'd been slapped. Nobody ever used Reina's full name. She hated telling anyone what it was. The only time Jason had ever said it aloud, just trying to pronounce it correctly, she'd given him a murderous look. That was the name of a little girl in San Juan, she told him. I left it behind when I left Puerto Rico. Reina scowled. How did you... Uh, Grover interrupted. You mean your initials are... Ra, Ra? Reina's hand drifted toward her dagger. But that's not important, Sater said quickly. Look, we wouldn't have risks coming here if we didn't trust Annabeth's instincts. A Roman leader returning the most important Greek statue to Camp Half-Blood, she knows that could prevent a war. This isn't a trick, Rachel added. We're not lying. Ask your dogs. The metallic greyhounds didn't react. Reina stroked Arm's head thoughtfully. The Athena Parthenos. So the legend is true. Reina! Octavian cried. You can't seriously be considering this. Even if the statue still exists, you can see what they're doing. We're on the verge of attacking them, destroying the stupid Greeks once and for all, and they concoct this stupid errand to divert, divert your attention. They want to send you to your death! The other Romans muttered, glaring at their visitors. Jason remembered how persuasive Octavian could be, and he was winning the officers to his side. <clears throat> Rachel Dare, <clears throat> my bad. Rachel Dare faced the auger. Octavian, son of Apollo, you should take this most more seriously. Even Romans respected your father's Oracle of Delphi. Ha! Octavian said, "You're the Oracle of Delphi, right? And I'm the Emperor Nero." At least Nero could play music. Grover muttered. Octavian balled his fists. Suddenly, the wind shifted. It swirled around the Romans with a hissing sound, like a nest of snakes. Rachel Dare glowed in a green aura, as if hit by a soft emerald spotlight. Then the wind faded and the aura was gone. Reina! Octavian cried. You can't seriously be considering this. Even if the statues still exist, you see what they're doing. We're on the verge of attacking them. Oh, my bad. I already read this. The sneer melted from Octavian's face. The Romans rustled uneasily. It's your decision, Rachel said, as if nothing had happened. I have no specific prophecy to offer you, but I can see glimpses of the future. I see the Athena Parthenos on Half-Blood Hill. I see her bringing it. She pointed at Reina. Also, Ella has been murmuring lines from your Sibylline books. What? Reina interrupted. The Sibylline books were destroyed centuries ago. I knew it! 
Octavian pounded his fist into his palm. That heartbeat they brought back from the quest. Ella, I knew she was spouting prophecies. Now I understand. She... She somehow memorized a copy of the Sibylline books. Raina shook her head in disbelief. How is that possible? We don't know, Rachel admitted. But yes, that seems to be the case. Ella has a perfect memory. She loves books. Somewhere, somehow, she read your Roman book of prophecies. Now she's the only source for them. Your friends lied, Octavian said. They told us the harpy was just muttering gibberish. They stole her. Grover huffed indignantly. Huh. Ella isn't your property. She's a free creature. Besides, she wants to be at Camp Half-Blood. She's dating one of my friends, Tyson. The Cyclops, Raina remembered. remembered. A harpy dating a, a Cyclops. That's not irrelevant, Octavian said. The harpy has valuable Roman prophecies. If the Greeks won't return her, we should take her their oracle hostage. Guards! Two centurions advanced. The pillow leveled. Grover Paul brought his pipes to his lips, played a quick jig, and their spears turned to Christmas trees. The guards dropped them in surprise. Enough! Raina shouted. She didn't often raise her voice. When she did, everyone listened. We've strayed from the point, she said. Rachel Dare, you're telling me Annabeth is in Tartarus, yet she's found a way to send me this message. She wants me to bring the statue from the ancient lands to your camp. Rachel nodded. Only a Roman can return it and restore peace. And why would the Romans want peace, Raina asked, after your ship attacked our city? You know why, Rachel said. To avoid this war, to reconcile the gods, Greek and Roman sides. We have to work together to defeat Gaia. Octavian stepped forward to speak, but Raina shot him a withering look. According to Percy Jackson, Raina said, the battle with Gaia will be fought in the ancient lands. In Greece. That's where the giants are, Rachel agreed. Whatever magic, whatever ritual, the giants are planning to wake the Earth Mother. I sense it will happen in Greece. But, well... Our problems aren't limited to the ancient lands. That's why I brought Grover to talk to you. The satyr tugged his goatee. Yeah, see, over the last few months, I've been talking to satyrs and nature spirits across the continent. They're all saying the same thing. Gaia is stern. I mean, she's right on the edge of consciousness. She's whispering in the minds of naiads trying to turn them. She's causing earthquakes, uprooting the dryads' trees... Last week alone, she appeared in human form in a dozen different places, scaring the horns off some of my friends. In Colorado, a giant stone fist rose out of the mountain and swatted some party ponies like flies. Raina frowned. Party ponies? Long story, Rachel said. The point is, Gaia will rise everywhere. She's already stirring. No place will be safe from the battle. And we know that our first targets are going to be the demigod camp. She wants us destroyed. Speculation, Octavian said. A distraction. The Greeks fear our attack. They're trying to confuse us. It's the Trojan horse all over again. Raina twisted the silver ring she always wore with the sword and torch symbols of her mother, Bellona. Marcus, she said, bring Scipio from the stables. Raina, no! Octavian protested. She faced the Greeks. I will do this for Annabeth, for the hope of peace between our camps. But do not think I have forgotten the insults to give Jupiter. Your ship fired on our city. You declared war. Not us. Now leave. Grover stamped his hoof. <laughs> Percy would never... Grover, Rachel said. We should go. Her tone said, before it's too late. <laughs>
After they had retreated back down the stairs, Octavian wheeled on Reyna. Are you mad? I am Praetor of the Legion, Reyna said. I judge this to be in the best interest of Rome. To get yourself killed? To break our oldest laws and travel to the ancient lands? How will you even find their ship, assuming you survive the journey? I will find them, Reyna said. If they're sailing for Greece, I know a place Jason will stop. To face the ghosts in the House of Hades, he will need an army. There's only one place where he can find that sort of help. In Jason's dream, the building seemed to be on, built seemed to tilt under his feet. He remembered a conversation he had had with Reyna years ago, a promise they had made to each other. He knew what she was talking about. This is insanity. Octavian muttered. We're already under attack. We must take the offense, Siv. Those hairy dwarves have been stealing our supplies, sabotaging our scouting parties. You know the Greeks sent them. Perhaps, Reyna said. But you will not launch, launch an attack without my orders. Continue scouting the enemy camp. Secure your positions. Gather all the allies you can. And if you can catch those dwarves, you have my blessing to send them back to Tartarus. But do not attack Camp Half-Blood until I return. Octavia narrowed his eyes. While you're gone, the Augur is a senior officer. I will be in charge. I know. Reyna didn't sound happy about it. But you have my orders. You all heard them. She scanned the faces of the centurions, daring them to question her. She stormed off, her purple cloak billowing and her dargs at her heels. Once she was gone, Octavia turned to the centurions. Gather all the senior officers. I want a meeting as soon as Reyna has left off on a fool's quest. There will be a few changes in the Legion's plans. One of the centurions opened his mouth to respond, but for some reason he spoke in Piper's voice. Wake up! Jason's eyes snapped open and he saw the ocean surface hurtling towards him. And that's the end of chapter 33. Wow. Um, before we go on to my thoughts about this chapter... Um, I do, uh, if you haven't noticed, I have a little bit of a voice change. Um, I'm a little bit, um, with, have some allergies right now, seasonal allergies. So it's kind of making me feel a little bit stuffy. Um, but yeah, that definitely was a great chapter overall. I think, yeah, I, I, this, this has definitely made me grow my, um, dislikeness towards Octavian in general. I think that Octavian genuinely has this need to grab power in whatever way possible um maybe there were previous experiences that had left him felting or wanting more of this power stance and because of that he tries so hard that at any moment he can he grabs that opportunity and tries to take it in order to prove that he somehow can be a better leader and is a better leader than reyna so we'll see how he's going to change the plans and if Reyna is going to be able to do anything about it because it seems like Octavian is trying really hard to take this position from Reyna, but Reyna is just not going to budge. So I don't know how they're both how they're both going to go or see eye to eye if they're ever going to see eye to eye. These are always questions that hopefully we'll get to see an answer to in in future chapters. But yeah, after the break, we're going to finish off with chapter 34, Jason. Um, don't go anywhere. Maybe grab a snack, maybe grab some water, whatever you want, and get ready for this after we come back from the break.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 34, Jason. Jason survived. Barely. Later, his friends explained that they hadn't seen him falling from the sky until the last second. There was no time for Frank to turn into an eagle and catch him. No time to formulate a rescue plan. Only Piper's quick thinking and charm speak had saved his life. She'd yelled, WAKE UP! with so much force that Jason felt like he'd been hit with defilibrator paddles. With a millisecond to spare, he'd summoned the winds and avoided becoming a floating patch of demigod grease on the surface of the Adriatic. Back on board, he'd pulled Leo aside and suggested a course correction. Fortunately, Leo trusted him enough not to ask why. Weird vacation spot, Leo grinned. But hey, you're the boss! Now sitting with his friends in the mess hall, Jason felt so awake. He doubted he would sleep for a week. His hands were jittery, he couldn't stop tapping his feet. He guessed that this was how Leo felt all the time, except that Leo had a sense of humor. After what Jason had seen in his dream, he didn't feel much like joking. While they ate lunch, Jason reported on his midair vision. His friends were quiet long enough for Coach Hedge to finish a peanut butter and banana sandwich along with the ceramic plate. The ship creaked as it sailed through the Adriatic. Its remaining oars still out of alignment from the giant turtle attack. Every once in a while, Festus the figurehead creaked and squeaked through the speakers, reporting the autopilot status in that weird machine language that only Leo could understand. A note from Annabeth. Piper shook her head in amazement. I don't see how that's possible, but if it is... She's alive, Leo said. Thank the gods and pass the hot sauce. Frank frowned. What does that mean? Leo wiped the chip crumbs off his face. It means pass the hot sauce, he's saying. I'm still hungry. Frank slid over a jar of salsa. I can't believe Reina would try to find us. It's taboo. Coming to the ancient land, she'll be stripped of her praetorship. If she lives, Hazel said. It was hard enough for us to make it this far with seven demigods and a warship. And me, Coach Hedge belched. Don't forget, Cupcake. You got the satyr advantage. Jason had to smile. Coach Hedge could be pretty ridiculous, but Jason was glad he could come along. He thought about the satyr he'd seen in his dream, Grover Underwood. He could imagine a satyr more different from Coach Hedge, but they both seemed brave in their own way. It made Jason wonder about the fawns back at Camp Jupiter, whether they could be like that if the Roman demigods expected more from them. Another thing to add to his still list. His list. He didn't realize that he had one until that moment. But ever since leaving Camp Half-Blade, he'd been thinking of ways to make Camp Jupiter more... Greek. He'd run a bad Camp Jupiter. He'd done well there, but he'd always been a little unconventional. He shaved under the rules. 
He joined the fifth cohort because everyone told him not to. They warned him it was the worst unit, so he thought, fine, I'll make it the best. Once he became Praetor, he'd campaign to rename the Legion the First Legion rather than the Twelfth Legion, to symbolize a new start for Rome. The idea had almost caused a mutiny. New Rome was all about tradition and legacies. The rules didn't change easily. Jason had to learn with that and even rose to the top. But now that he had seen both camps, he couldn't shake the feeling that Camp Half-Blood might have taught him more about himself. If he survived this war with Gaia and returned to Camp Jupiter as a Praetor, could he change things for the better? That was his duty. So why did the idea fill him with dread? He felt guilty about leaving Reyna to rule out him, rule without him. But still, part of him wanted to go back to Camp Half-Blood with Piper and Leo. He guessed that made him a pretty terrible leader. Jason? Leo asked. Argos to second to Jason? Come in! He realized his friends were looking at him expectantly. They needed reassurance whether or not he made it back to New York after the New Rome after the war. Jason had to step up now and act like a praetor. Yeah, sorry. He touched the groove that Skyrim the Bandit had cut in his hair. Crossing the Atlantic is a hard journey, no doubt. But I'd never bet against Reyna. If anyone can make it, she will. Piper circled her spoon through her soup. Jason was still nervous about her getting jealous of Reyna. But she, when she looked up, she gave him a dry smile that seemed more teasing than insecure. Well, I'd love to see Reyna again, she said. But how is she supposed to find us? Frank raised his hand. Can't you just send her an iris message? They're not working very well, Coach Edge put in. Horrible reception. Every night, I swear I could kick that rainbow goddess. goddess. He faltered. His face turned bright red. Coach? Leo grinned. Whoever you've been calling every night, you old goat? No one! Hitch snapped. Nothing? I just meant... He means we've already tried. Hazel intervened, and the coach gave her a grateful look. Some magic is interfering. Maybe Gaia. Contacting the Romans is even harder. I think they're shielding themselves. Jason looked from Hazel to the coach, wondering what was going on with the satyr and how Hazel knew about it. Now that Jason thought about it, the coach hadn't mentioned his cloud nymph girlfriend, Melly, in a long time. Frank drummed his fingers on the table. I don't suppose Reyna has a cell phone? Nah, never mind. She'd probably have bats reception on a Pegasus flying over the Atlantic. Jason thought about the arc of the second's journey across the ocean and the dozens of encounters that had nearly killed them. Thinking about Reyna making that journey alone, he couldn't decide whether it was terrifying or awe-inspiring. Inspiring. She'll find us, he said. She mentioned something in the dream. She's expecting to go to a certain place on her way to the House of Hades. I... I'd forgotten about it, actually, but she's right. I, it's a place I need to visit. Piper leaned toward him, her caramel braid falling over her shoulder. Her multicolored eyes made it hard for him to think straight. And where is this place? She asked. A, uh, a town called Split. Split? She smelled really good, like blooming honeysuckle. Um, yeah. Jason wondered if Piper was working on some sort of Aphrodite magic on him. Like, maybe every time he mentioned Reyna's name, she would befuddle him so he much he couldn't even think about anything but Piper. He supposed it wasn't the worst sort of revenge. In fact, we should be getting close. Leo? Leo punched the intercom button. How's it going up there, buddy? This is the figurehead creaked and steamed. He said maybe ten minutes to the harbor. 
Leo reported. Though I still don't get why you want to go to Croatia, especially a town got split. I mean, you, you name your city split, you gotta figure it's a warning to, you know, split. Kind of like a naming your city, get out. Wait, Hazel said, why are we going to Croatia? Jason noticed that the others were reluctant to meet her eyes. Since her trick with the mist against Skyrim and the bandit, even Jason felt a little nervous around her. He knew that wasn't fair to Hazel. It was hard enough being a child of Pluto, but she'd pulled off some serious magic on that cliff. And afterward, according to Hazel, Pluto himself had appeared to her. That was something Romans typically call a bad omen. Leo pushed his chips and hot sauce aside. Well, technically, we've been in Croatian territory for the past day or so. All that coastline we've been past sailing, we've been sailing past it, is it? But I guess back in the Roman times, it was called... What'd you say, Jason? Bodacious? Dalmatia, Nico said, making Jason jump. Holy Romulus. Jason wished he could put a bell around Nico and D'Angelo's neck to remind him the guy was there. Nico had this disturbing habit of standing silently in the corner, blending into the shadows. He stepped forward, his dark eyes fixed on Jason. Since they rescued him from the bronze jar in Rome, Nico had slept very little and eaten very even less as if he was still subsistent subsisting on those emergency pomegranate seeds from the underworld he reminded jason a little too much of a flesh-eating ghoul he once fought in san bernardino croatia used to be dalmatia nico said a major roman province you want to mission you want to visit diocletian's palace don't you diocletian's palace don't you Coach Hedge managed another heroic belch. Whose palace? And is Dalmatia where those Dalmatian dogs come from? That one-on-one Dalmatian movie? I still have nightmares. Frank scratched his head. Why would you have nightmares about that? Coach Hedge looked like he was about to launch into a major speech about the evils of cartoon Dalmatians, but Jason said decided he didn't want to know. Nico's right, he said. I need to go to Diocletian's palace. It's where Reyna will go first because she knows I would go there. Piper raised an eyebrow. And why would Reyna think that? Because you've always had a mad fascination with Croatian culture? Jason stared at his uneaten sandwich. It was hard to talk about his life before Juno wiped his memory. His ears at Camp Jupiter seemed made up. Like a movie he'd acted in decades before. Reyna and I used to talk about Diocletian, he said. We both kind of idolized the guy as a leader. We talked about how we'd like to visit... Diocletian's palace, of course, we knew that was impossible. No one could travel to the ancient lands. But still, we still made this pact that if we ever did, that's where we'd go. Diocletian? Leo considered the name, then shook his head. I got nothing. Why was he so important? Frank looked offended. He was the last pagan, great pagan empire, emperor. Leo rolled his eyes. Why am I not sure, surprised you know that, Zang? Why wouldn't I? He was the last one who worshipped the Olympian gods before Constantine came along and adopted Christianity. Hazel nodded. I remember something about that. The nuns at St. Agnes taught about taught us that Diocletian was a huge villain, right along with Nero and Caligula. She looked askance at Jason. Why would you idolize him? He wasn't a total villain, Jason said. Yeah, he persecuted Christians, but otherwise he was a good ruler. He worked his way up from nothing by joining the Legion. His parents were former slaves, or at least his mom was. Demigods show know that he was a son of Jupiter, the last demigod to rule Rome. 
He was also the first emperor to ever retire like peacefully and give up his power. He was from Dalmatia, so he moved back there and built a retirement palace. The town of Split grew up around. He faltered when he, took a, when he looked at Leah, who was mimicking taking notes with an air pencil. Go on, Professor Grace, he said, wide-eyed. I want to get an A on the test. Shut up, Leo. Piper sipped another spoonful of soup. So why is Diocletian's palace so special? Nico Leon leaned over and plucked a grape. Probably that was the guy's entire diet for the day. It's said to be haunted by the ghost of Diocletian. Who was a son of Jupiter, like me, Jason said. His tomb was destroyed centuries ago, but Reyna and I used to wonder if we could ever find Diocletian's ghost and ask where he was buried. Well, according to legends, his scepter was buried with him. Nico gave him a thin, creepy smile. Ah, that legend. What legend? He's last. Nico turned to his sister. Supposedly, Diocletian's scepter could summon the ghosts of the Roman legions, any one of them who worshipped the old gods. Leo whistled. Whistled. Woo, okay, now I'm interested. Be nice to have a booty-kicking army of pagan zombies on our side when we enter the House of Hades. Not sure I would have put it that way, Jason mur- mur- muttered. But yeah. We don't have much time, Frank warned. It's already July 9th. We have to get to Epirus. Close the doors of death, which are guarded, Hazel murmured, by a smoky giant and a sorceress who wants... She hesitated. Well, I'm not sure, but according to Pelu, she plans to rebuild her domain. Whatever that means, it's bad enough that my dad felt like warning me personally. Frank grunted. And if we survive all that, we still have to find out where the giants are waking Gaia and get there before the 1st of August. Besides, the longer Percy and Annabeth are in Tartarus. I know, Jason said. We won't take long in split, but looking for the scepter is worth a try. While we're at the palace, I can leave a message for Reyna, letting her know the route we're taking for Epirus. Nico nodded. The scepter of Diocletian could make a huge difference. You'll need my help. Jason tried to not show his discomfort, but his skin prickled at the thought of going anywhere with Nico D'Angelo. Percy had shared some disturbing stories about Nico. His loyalties weren't always clear. He'd spend more time with the dead than the living. Once he lured Percy into the trap in the Palace of Hades. Maybe Nico had made it up for that by helping the Greeks against the Titans, but still. Piper squeezed his hand. Hey, sounds fun. I'll go too. Jason wanted to yell, Take the gods! But Nico shook his head. You can't, Piper. It should only be Jason and me. Diocletian's ghost might appear for his son of Jupiter, but any other demigods would most likely... Ugh. Spook him. And I'm the only one who can talk to his spirit. Even Hazel won't be able to do that. Nico's eyes held a gleam of challenge. He seemed curious as to whether or not Jason would protest. The ship's bell sounded. Festus creaked and whirred over the loudspeaker. We've arrived, Leo announced. Time to split, Frank groaned. Ugh, can we leave Valdis in Croatia? Jason stood. Frank, you're in charge of defending the ship. Leo, you've got repairs to do. The rest of you help out whatever you, wherever you can. Nico and I, you face the son of Hades. We have a ghost to find. And that's the end of chapter 34. Well, this, these two chapters definitely were a way of contributing to Jason and Piper's um, relationship, Jason's characterization, Jason's thoughts overall. And I think that, yeah, definitely. I think there, there are certain aspects of Camp Half-Blood versus Camp, uh, New Rome 
that are certainly better than the other. And the fact that, you know, that doesn't mean that Camp Jupiter doesn't have its own things to be that that are, that are strong in their own. Like, New Rome, where you have this whole town where people could settle down even after the whole demigod life, that sounds amazing to me. And I feel like it would be such a great option for people, especially since Camp Jupiter and Camp Haplod are on both opposite sides of the entire nation. This could really benefit people on the East Coast because obviously they can't travel all the way to the West Coast just to retire and have a peaceful life. No, well, they could do that, but it would be a bit of an inconvenience. And obviously nobody would want that. But yeah, I think there were a lot of thoughts that were thrown around, a lot of thoughts being analyzed, looked at, and yeah, it was a great time. So yeah. Now we're moving on to our everyone's favorite segment, shoutouts slash and Q and A. Um, before I start, I would like to point out that I do appreciate that the, the the support that everyone is giving throughout these episodes and the podcast as a whole. I really appreciate everyone's you know ability to ask questions, respond to questions. And just in general, be very, very supportive. Um, if you would like to support me, uh, the best way to do that would be through Patreon. Um, again, that link is in the bio and description of my podcast. So if you would like to support me and um, if you would like to support me, I would say that I would really appreciate if you could check out my Patreon and maybe, you know, con- contribute to that. It's totally optional, but... I would really appreciate it. But yeah, moving on to the shoutouts. Um, I do want to uh, say that I will be trying to shout out names that I haven't um, done before. I just want to give a chance to other people and be able to have them have the chance to be shouted out, have their name shout out and get that opportunity to be shouted out. But yeah, that doesn't mean that I don't love any of my viewers any less. I love you all equally and yeah so i'm gonna give out the shout outs and then we'll move on to the questions number one my 31c main thank you number two addy grace thank you number three persabeth 146 thank you number four indiglo thank you number five lava guy forever thank you number six blue cookie one thank you and number seven you lee you lee thank you so now let's move on to the Q&A session. So let's do the first one. Who is your favorite character in any of the Heroes of Olympus series? Leo. Hands down. Love him. Got a great sense of humor. And I would never... I would love to even be friend, be To even know him in the first place. Number two, if you had someone to date, who would it be? I would probably be stuck between... Hazel or Annabeth. Or Percy. I think they're all so, so awesome. They're all just amazing human beings on their own. And I think that they're just amazing in general. They're just, they're so, so cool in the way that they do things. That doesn't mean that the rest aren't cool. I would, I just, I I would probably, just seeing them in, in action kind of relates to me more and kind of stands out to me a bit more. But yeah. Number, the next question is, who is my favorite god or goddess? I'd probably say either Hephaestus or Apollo, but yeah. Next question, which group would you stick with? 
as in like you know art of our hunters of artemis the amazons camp haplet camp jupiter camp haplet all the way the og gotta stick with it um would you rather fight a titan or a god titan for sure dogs or puppies puppies adorable things favorite pokemon um i'd probably say xerneas xerneas is a really really strong pokemon xerneas can do some pretty pretty gnarly stuff um next question if you had a godly parent who would it be based on personalities and hobbies i would probably say apollo apollo is a huge appreciator of the arts and i love arts i love culture i love art i love all of that stuff and i feel like if i i would have he would be my godly parent based off of my love for arts and just my love to just you know have fun and just that's exactly what apollo is so yeah uh which book so far is your favorite i do believe i think i said before it was the lost hero is just amazing comedy timing comedic timing spot on next question is what is the who is the most fearsome enemy Percy and Annabeth have faced in Tartarus I would probably say Kelly's group not gonna lie I feel like with the conditions that Percy and Annabeth were in while fighting Kelly that riled up a lot of you know scared feeling for me because I was thinking maybe they won't make it out of this you know, they were so weak and so dejected and Bob, you know, kind of was like, I don't want to help anymore after finding out that Percy was maybe one of the contributors behind his lost memory. That was definitely a scary time. I feel like when it comes to monsters and their vengeance, they they, they take it up another level. It's insane. Um, who's the least favorite of the seven? Ooh. Ooh, this one's a hard one. Ooh. Listen, I love all of them equally, but I would probably say if I had to choose one, if I was forced to choose one, I would probably say Piper um, just because of the fact that, I don't know, I feel like with their with her relationship with Jason, it feels a very strained and I feel like she has a lot of expectations on him that, I don't know, I I don't feel I wouldn't agree with, but you know, that's their relationship. I'll let them handle it. But yeah, I think, but I do still love Piper. I mean, I just love her personality. Everything about her is just so, you know, fearsome. Everything is just great. Um, next question is, favorite pet or companion? Mrs. O'Leary, for sure. She's absolutely one of the best dogs I've probably even seen. And, you know, she's fictional. So that's pretty good. So yeah. Yeah, so I just, wow, I whizzed through that. But I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did. Again, if you guys want to support me, there's a link to my Patreon in the link of my description. That would be much appreciated if you could check that out. And yeah, other than that, if I missed your name or if I missed your question, do please let me know in the next episode. And yeah, uh, thank you guys for all the questions and the shoutouts. Hope you guys have had as much of a fun time as I did. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.